This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. All right, getting the 5 o'clock hour started on the uh, the right way. Let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, the general manager of the Utah Jazz. Welcome him back to the big show. He is Justin Zanuck. Justin, how are you? I'm good, Jake. Gordon, good to be with you guys. Appreciate you. Thanks. Yeah, thanks Thanks, thanks for giving us a few minutes. Uh, you know, I want to start out this way. Uh, you, you get the gig last year. Uh, you go into your first year, and all of a sudden uh, you're uh, uh, faced with a situation nobody has ever dealt with. The NBA resumes in a bubble form down in Orlando. Now we're going to have the shortest, wildest offseason ever. I guess I'll sum it up this way. How's it going? You doing all right? <laughs> I'm doing good. Uh, we're doing good. Um, obviously, we do everything as a group, and it has certainly been um, a unique uh, time. Uh, very thankful for the NBA and the Players Association for coming together to be able to finish the season in the middle of a pandemic and do it really, really safely. Um, obviously, with the delay in finishing the season and then trying to get back on track necessitates a a quick start um, on a traditional off season. I would say that we've had some time to prepare and really spend a lot of time evaluating our team and uh, being prepared for things. So, but it's just kind of in a unique schedule. So, and then everything just gets compressed here in the draft uh, free agency, you know, starting literally, I think 48 hours after the draft. So, so Justin, the Jazz have shown I, great... I guess I would add. I guess I would add one thing. I guess it'll be a, a, a pretty long chapter in a in a book. Yeah. <laughs> on the Jazz. Uh, Justin, the Jazz have shown uh, real promise. Uh, the West is is very difficult. So I guess the the the, the question is, how do the Jazz close the gap from where you are now, good to to great? I think it's always a process, Gordon. Um, Trying to go from good to great is is a difficult thing, and also maintaining in a very difficult conference. You know, it's been a difficult conference for 20 years, maybe more. Um, so it's not new to us, and the challenge is is still the same. But um, you know, we just spend every day trying to get better, uh, making trying to make as get as much data and information as possible. We make great decisions and have a you know very supportive ownership and found fan base to let us do you know what we think is right to try to get us to the next level but it's a myriad of things you know we've got a lot of different tools to um try to accomplish those goals whether it be the draft free agency and uh trades to augment the team um all of those things are just kind of swirling around right now as we get ready to you know get started for this next season the draft is obviously right around the corner coming up uh, next week, and this has been the first draft in a long time that the Jazz have uh, not had Walt Perrin right there in that room. Can you tell us how, how it's going preparing for this uh, unique draft and, and doing so without him? Well, obviously we, we all miss Walt and love Walt. He's a special guy and a, you know, has special meaning to the Utah Jazz. One of the best things that he's 
helped us with and continuing as a legacy he leaves behind here with a lot of very accomplished and uh, talented individuals um, that he took under his wing. And so, you know, all of us getting a chance to learn from Dennis and, and Walt uh, throughout the years and, and the staff that we can, uh, you know, it's never seamless when you lose a, a talented uh, executive as Walt is. And uh, I know he's going to be doing very good things in New York and helping them, you know, get through a rebuild. But uh, the people that he trained and, and remain here, uh, we, uh, we're in good shape. We're in really good shape in, in the preparation that we're ready to get through this and get this to Wednesday on the draft night. But we do miss him. Dennis said earlier, Justin, that uh, the Jazz are interested in getting, uh, I think it was, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but something along a wing defender who wouldn't hurt you at the offensive end as far as shooting goes. Is, is that one of the areas that you're circling uh, that needs improvement, or what can you tell us about that? I think, you know, pointing to Dennis's comments, as you brought out, is accurate. I think, you know, it's pretty easy to go through in an analysis of this, of this season and see, you know, what are the strengths of our team are and what are the things that we have opportunities to improve at. So certainly finding, you know, talented wing, wing and guard defenders that don't compromise spacing, they're there's a multitude of ways that we can try to accomplish that, whether it be the draft or program here there's solutions that way too um just depending on the timeline and what's available you know as we approach the draft i I think there are some capable guys with those traits i think there's also um players out there in the draft that could be unique uh to our our team that that don't necessarily fit in a one-on you know just checking a box we look for you know, high character, unique players, then they can come in all shapes and sizes. But we have multiple ways to, to address that and see if we can have a little bit more of a comeuppance defensively for the team. Jazz General Manager Justin Zanuck with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And, uh, Justin, I know there are some things that you can get into and some things that you can't. So if you can't come on, uh, comment on this, uh, we understand. But do you have any uh, thoughts on the salary cap staying the same and what impact that that will have on free agency? Uh, the most I can say about it, Jake, is that, you know, I'm very thankful for the NBA and the Players Association and their negotiations to set a system for us. You know, the biggest thing for um, upper management and NBA teams is to really know the set of rules that we're dealing with, um, whatever those may be. And I'm very glad that we're getting uh We've gotten some clarity now, and we we'll, should be able to get some some even more clarity on a transaction window opening up um, as we get started for the season. So just knowing those, we've been preparing for all sorts of scenarios to just really understand what the rules are, and then we can go out and execute what we're able to in a, a short off-season period. Justin, you probably examined a hundred, maybe a thousand deals for every one that actually happens. Uh, can jazz fans expect anything big happening this off season? Well, we're still about, you know, what a week, uh, less than a week away from the draft. You know, like I said, the transaction window is not even open yet. So, you know, I'll, that normally happens late draft period, uh, during free agency, they all come in a rush, um, scenarios that. I may not have any idea about right now other than in a 
in a theoretical sense may come to fruition two days from now. Um, and so what we spend our time doing preparing for the transaction window is being able to make um, timely decisions more that like we've got to be prepared for anything. And if, if 2020 has shown <laughs> any of us that we need to be prepared for literally sort of the late draft rush of phone calls and intel gathering and positioning for free agency and all those things of what we can expect and then just be ready to execute on that when when things come our way. Last thing for me, Justin, kind of a, a curiosity question. What's your favorite part of this job? Oh, I like all of it. Um, you know, first and foremost, the competition. Uh, second, uh, working for, you know, a great organization with great people, you know, whether that's from front office to the coaching staff to our business side to our players. Uh, so I literally enjoy my job every day. Um, certainly there's, you know, more competitive days. You know, I certainly can't get on the floor and help a team help our team win, but I can help and provide, you know, my skill set to help the Jazz try and win a title. And so certainly we have some red letter days in the off season that are gonna come bang bang here this next week with the agency and and certainly getting this team ready for the season. So this is this is a fun time um, where things are really starting to move. So these are good days right now. I want to see that Justin Zanuck crossover, Jake. I, I'd like to. I'd like <laughs> no, to you do not. That. no, you do not. <laughs> Last you know, thing the guys, for me. When I'm walking, the guys, when I'm walking around in the gym, are like, hey, do you want to shoot? And I just tell them I'm in management. No, I'm just a manager. <laughs> just a manager. I just run the club. Uh, you know, one of these days, I find what you said there really fascinating about all the stuff that goes on that, that nobody ever hears about. You know, all the things that are considered, all the things that are worked through, but not don't ever really come to fruition. Man, write a book one day, will you, Justin? <laughs> I think, I don't know what the title of that would be, but you know, as again, as I'm referencing with 2020, nothing is static in this business or this world right now. You just have to expect change and be ready to deal with it, or expect a different outcome, or be ready to deal with something you didn't predict and be able to have a good data set and great people around us to all make good decisions together to, you know, accomplish our goal, which is to win a title here in Utah. Justin, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much for a few minutes. No, thank you guys. It's good to, good to be with you guys again. I know I'll be talking to you guys soon. So Absolutely. Thank you. Jazz General Manager Justin Zanuck with us here on the big show on 97.5 and 1280 Zone. A lot of uh, a lot of really good stuff that he he got to there, Gordon. Uh, I, I thought um, I don't know where do you want to start digesting that. Answer my question that I posed to him. I thought it was interesting that he he said you never know what to expect. Do you think the Jazz are cooking something or have intention to cook something up? Oh, I think they've got a lot of irons in the fire, sure. But I mean, <laughs> there's a lot that has to happen right. uh, to make those those sorts of moves. So you know, maybe maybe it breaks the Jazz way. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe some you know, like uh, I saw Adrian Wojnarowski tweeting out that the uh, the the market for Russell Westbrook has been slow in developing. Oh, you really? Know, <laughs> slow in developing. But to move big time uh, contracts like that, you know, big time things have to happen. 
And you right. never know if something can can line up that would uh, better the either the current prospects for the franchise or or future certainly. So, I uh, I would guess no. And you know uh, Justin and Dennis pretty well, Gordon. I mean, I would guess that there's there's not a lot of phone calls left unmade. Right. I agree with that. I think there are. I think people would be shocked at how many conversations are had. Right. And how would you be? It's like that. It's like that guy who works so hard on a deal. In whatever line of work you're in, you work and you work, you put all this time and effort into making it happen, and then at the last minute, something changes and it doesn't happen. Right. And it all sort of as though you never lifted a finger. Yeah, you know? it's, uh, it, I mean, think of, uh, think of what happened with, uh, with Dante Exum that draft year, where they didn't yeah. think Dante Exum was going to fall to them. And, mm-hmm. you know, Dante, there was talk of him going number one. And then all of a sudden, think, something that you don't expect happens, and you have a player uh, that lands in your lap, and you have to make a, a quick decision on it. You know, right? And you've got you've got an evaluation on you got a you got a board all set up and whatnot. But think about trades, where there are so many moving parts to the whole thing, and it's all got to fit together. And you you you've done your part, and you've got the thing ready to go. And then at the last second, there's uh, some sort of falling out. Does Justin Zanuck strike you as the kind of guy who is, who would be stationary in any way? No, that's a guy who's constantly thinking, constantly evaluating, constantly trying to, to uh, do what Dennis Lindsay said that they try to do on a regular basis, and that is improve the team. But you don't want to make moves that makes the matters worse. Right. Right. And if if anything, I think this um, you know, management crew, uh, Justin and Dennis and David Morway, you know, I I think they've proven that they're not going to make the move that is going to sink the ship, one way right. or the other. I mean, yeah. well, what's the you know Justin's uh, tenure is, has been short, but you know the Mike Conley deal was probably the most aggressive deal the Jazz have made for a while. Correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I, you know, I don't know how expensive. far we want to go back, but I mean that was a, <laughs> a really aggressive deal, and even that didn't have a whole lot of downside. I mean, you didn't really give up on a whole lot. I know Jay Crowder was really popular around here, and there was some draft picks involved and and that sort of thing. But they didn't, you know, they didn't move Donovan or Rudy for him. You know, it, it was right. an aggressive move, but it wasn't. There was some bet hedging there too. So I mean, uh, I I think the brain trust of the Jazz is really smart, um, uh, and I I think they do a lot of due diligence. You know, they're not really um from from my uh, perspective, they're not really the the gunslinger GM, right? The knee, the knee jerk moves, right? <laughs> no, that's that's, that's not just happening. not no. their style, and, and I think that's really a positive thing. Is is I know jazz fans sometimes get frustrated with uh, with their lack of activity, but when you're in a small market, there's just not a whole lot of room for error. I mean, yeah. Daryl Morey can swing and miss at every move he's made over the past <laughs> half decade, and it doesn't matter as much because you know Houston's a big big town. Yeah, they can buy their way out of it. Right, right. So, you know, in Utah, that that margin for error is a little bit less. So I think you'd rather have, uh, you know, a management team that that is going to, you know, make good moves and and be somewhat aggressive, you know, do that diligence, but not not leave their flank exposed. But when we recently we've seen some rumors floating out there about Rudy Gobert, that would be a major, major shift. In the direction of the jazz, but if we, I don't, I don't oh, know sorry. if those things, I don't know if those things are true or not. But we certainly have heard there's been a lot of smoke about it, and something like that. I mean, I can only imagine 
what Dennis and, and Justin and everybody involved, all the effort and study and analytical data they go through as far as that, and then using their own judgment that comes along with the years of experience that they have as far as whether that's a good idea or not. We don't know. If nothing happens, then we don't know what, what almost or what might have happened. Uh, and that's sort of my point all along is that these guys are are taking things apart and putting them back together all the time. Back to the Rudy thing real quick here uh, before uh-huh. we, we move on too far. I think that if they do move Rudy, Rudy or don't, I, I think is actually an example of what we're talking about because it wouldn't be some – you know, revolutionary thing where it's like, oh, we've got to go in a total different direction. If they move Rudy, it's because they feel like they have to. It's because they feel like they can't afford him and they can't lose him for nothing. Does that make sense? It wouldn't be yeah, one of these things sense. where, where you're, you're um, you know, making some sort of uh, groundbreaking change in your roster because what you're doing is not working. If they so move Rudy, think- it's because they think that they have to move Rudy. Because he's demanding a certain amount of money right. that they don't want to pay, but they don't want to. They don't want to get there because they like Rudy. We've talked about yeah. this a bunch. They like Rudy a lot. So you think strategically the Jazz are sound with Donovan and Rudy uh, as far as their vision for the future, edging closer to real contention. You think that they believe that those two players are main cogs in that uh, in that uh, intended eventuality? Ah. My dear Gordon, now you've gotten to the the rub of the question, right? Uh, Do they feel like Donovan Rudy can do it alone? Because that will dictate the price tag. That will dictate how much they think that they can pay Rudy. If they think they can max both those players out and be contenders for 10 years going forward, then why not give Rudy the, the, the max extension or whatever? But I don't, it's, it's not that simple, right? Because right now it's pretty tough to forecast and say, okay, put those two players with anybody and they're going to be awesome. So they have to, to figure out that value, and that's going to determine whether or not they think that they can keep Rudy. Not only do they have to figure out that value, but Rudy himself has to figure out what he's worth. Not only what he's worth, but what his intentions are. Because he, I believe it when Rudy Gobert says he wants to win a championship. And if he takes up, what is it, 35% of the, uh, the gross uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, the... salary of a franchise? Yep. Uh, if he's going to absorb that percentage of the money that's available, then he's going to limit what the Jazz can do in in building up around him. Right. So where, what does he believe he's capable of doing? What does he think his worth is? And how much does he want to the Jazz to pour into that effort and, and will preclude them from from him achieving his goal? I, I, maybe Maybe people talk about championships, but they're really thinking about money. Uh, I, uh, if if we know Rudy right, I think he's thinking about both. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think he's probably thinking about both. <laughs> I think you're right about that. If I were Rudy, I'd be thinking about the money. This is the contract where you really cash in. But so, he's already he's already making. What was his last deal? A hundred million. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I mean, I m- we've talked about this many times. Uh, rich people don't tend to not think that way. <laughs> like, oh, I've they get, look at what I've they're got not enough. making, not what they are. <laughs> <laughs> I got plenty. Uh, it's not uh, often how it works. So I don't know. I don't I, know. You hear about quarterbacks in the NFL sometimes who will displace what they're making or postpone it or, or right, right, right. But that's usually at the end of their career. That's. I mean, I guess that's my point. Rudy is right here in the middle of his prime. This is this is what you've been. 
you know, going through the rookie process where, you know, the rookie extension and all that stuff to, to get to this contract. So what you're saying then is they go for the money first and worry about the, the yes. titles later. Very much. Yep. Makes some sense. Yeah. All right, Gordo. We've got uh, Sounds Various Clips coming up next. Stay tuned. And uh, Gordon has a, a real bummer of a story to bring up at some point between now and the end of the show. So, <laughs> so you got that to look forward we, to. We can look forward to that. Stay tuned. Oh, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's a big show. Time for Sounds of Various Clips, brought to you today by our friends at America First Credit Union. The Raiders-Broncos game is this Sunday, and it's brought to you by America First Credit Union, the exclusive home of the official Raiders debit card. Same great features and benefits. Now with the silver and black, learn more at AmericaFirst.com slash Raiders. You know what I learned last week about my new team, the Raiders? That is, is awesome. And by the way, go Raiders. I hope they just smash the Broncos. That would be amazing. Did you know that their <laughs> official team beer, you know how like everywhere it's either Bud Light or Budweiser or Coors or Coors Light, you know? <laughs> the official team beer of the Las Vegas Raiders is a Modelo. That is random and awesome. What uh, inform the uneducated here? What is so awesome about that? It's just I just like it that it's different. And oh. no offense to our good friends at uh, at Budweiser or Bud Light or or whatever, but you you just don't see like a Modelo being the official beer of a of a uh, NFL franchise. Has it always been, or just since they moved I don't to know. Vegas? I have no idea. I just tune into our broadcasts on on Sunday and hear them talk about it. And speaking of that, could you think of a better bro- radio broadcast crew for an NFL team than Lincoln Kennedy and Brent Musburger? That's fun. It's fun. <laughs> it's an amazing broadcast. It Are really you a big is. Brent fan? Oh, I love Brent Musburger. Don't you? Uh, Grupo Modelo is the official name. Headquarters? Mexico City. Yeah, it's a it's a oh, Mexican wow. beer. It's really good, too. I, I like uh, I like Modelo's. But it, it was more the randomness that struck me. That it wasn't one of your like major beer brands that you see advertised well, all over the place it, you know, all the time. Isn't it just whoever pays you the most money? I'm sure it is, but I, I just think it's cool. It don't rain on my parade. <laughs> I think it's really cool that Mark Davis has refused to attend games because his fans can't. Yeah, that 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 is cool. I would love to. Get, I haven't seen that stadium. I've seen the outside, I guess, during construction, but I. I'd love to see that stadium. It looks really, really cool. So Raiders, Broncos, it's an afternoon game uh, going down this weekend. And actually, uh, our boy David James and uh, CBS uh, it actually has a weird crunch on their hands. Before, Real quick before we get to Sands of Various Clips. You know, they, they're trying to air the Masters in the morning, Gordon, and have the Masters uh-huh. be over by the time the afternoon football game starts. Oh, uh-huh. I, and what is DJ thinking? I don't know, man. DJ is usually better at programming uh, <laughs> for for fault. CBS. Uh, he's usually pretty pretty skilled. But you, we had BT on in the four o'clock hour. Like they still have half of the second round to go. You know, I don't know if they're going to make it. You pass aggressive little punks. So what would that be? That would be they have to have the Masters over by Sunday at four p.m. Eastern. Wow. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. So what do you mm. do then, Gordon? Do you air the? I mean. You don't air oh, you the gotta, whole Masters gotta, to not air the end, but yet NFL no, is king. Yeah, you got to. You got to. You got to show the end. Yeah, but the ra- the the ratings for the Donks and the Raiders is going to be like a hundred times what the ratings for the Masters is going to be. Even if Tigers involved? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. I, NFL is 
so dominant in the sports landscape. Even if Tiger is involved, I bet it would smash. Even if the Broncos are involved? The Broncos are bad, but still an NFL team. Okay. What is the source of your hatred for the Broncos? Oh, just because, you know, spending most of my youth here, uh, David James always picked the Broncos every Sunday. And I just I just got so tired of watching the because because I've been I'm an NFL fan. I don't really have a team. I was a little bit of a Steelers guy growing up. I, I like the Panthers because of my connection to Charlotte. I used to live there, but never really like a passionate about the, an NFL team, but really loved the NFL. Watched it every Sunday as a kid. And I just would got you, so tired of the Broncos. Would you do me a favor, Jake? And will you clarify for people that DJ is not the one that's picking which game is being shown? No, he is. And, in fact, if you're upset with it, you know, if you're upset with getting the donks every Sunday, <laughs> I would I would suggest you call the KUTV newsroom, ask for David James, and really give him a piece of your mind. <laughs> I Why believe it's 801-555-KUTV. <laughs> Why are you doing that? Because I can't Why believe that. Why are you doing that, that to my guy, DJ? Because I can't believe that it actually happens. It just makes me laugh. Have you ever talked to David about that when he's just yes, sitting in I the have. newsroom on a Sunday and someone calls me, how come we got to watch the Broncos every weekend? <laughs> like it's actually David James making this selection. I find that so hilarious that I, I've got to play into it a little bit. Okay, she did play into it by making it ten times worse. I, I love it. he's he's had people come up to him on at remotes and say, "Is there anything you can do to to make sure we don't have the Broncos this?" Well, weekend? actually, that's a compliment to DJ because people think he's a man of uh, influence, and he's not. I just think it's funny <laughs> tweeting it out. Be better, David. Come on, the donks again. Come on, <laughs> the DJ. Donks again. <laughs> Poor I David. I bet Scotty likes it, uh, at least when they're good, not when they're bad. Well, I'll tell you what, ratings uh, right here on The Zone on Sunday are going to be through the roof because there are a ton of Broncos fans here, obviously. And that's part of it, too, like the contrarian in me. A lot of my friends growing up were Broncos fans, right? So, Will the Raiders ever catch the Broncos here? I, You know what's funny? I believe so. I think the Raiders will pass the Broncos here. Like Coach Max said, and you and I have talked about a bunch, People, uh, people in uh, Utah love going to Vegas, and you know we've got kind of a, a similar, uh, a similar size. It's the next closest big city. Everybody loves going to the warmer weather. I, I think it'll really catch on here. I really do. Hmm. All right. Well, I, yeah, I can follow your logic there. All right, you ready for a sounds various clips here, Gordon? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, of course, we like to do this every once in a while. A little, uh, a little segment we like to call "Getting High with Hanson Scotty." This is an interesting story, and it actually goes back to our ancestors, Scotty. It's the Vang burial site. It dates back to 400 to 1050 A.D., all right? It includes the Viking Age, which was 793 to 1066 A.D. Those are our people. They are our people. And, and archaeologists have made some of the most important discoveries at this, at this single grave site. Well, grave robbers had allegedly ravaged a sacred Viking burial ground, and one of the one of the sites, or actually multiple sites, had holes that were dug. Investigators came in, and they were starting to figure that these holes were dug by some extremely sophisticated tools because they were perfect in size. They were right down to the sites, and it just it looked like they had some really sophisticated robbers. Well, they set up different cameras, and they're like, well, they... They've been here more than once. Yeah. So let's see if we can catch them. And what the cameras caught were two badgers that were <laughs> that were digging down towards the Viking bodies. Badgers? <laughs> yeah, they were badgers. We don't need no stinking badgers. 
Not like Wisconsin badges. Not like <laughs> Barry Alvarez <laughs> with a shovel out there. <laughs> How about this, guys? There had not been any looting or attempted looting at this Viking burial ground since the turn of the 19th century. So nobody had ever gotten in and violated it until these badgers came in and started digging holes. And they're walking out there with swords, trying to hawk him at some pond. <laughs> You're a badger. What are you doing with that Viking sword? Oh, man. I do believe, like, you know, the whole, like, some of the... Uh, there was a badger officer. He brought the sword in about two weeks ago. He said it was his, man. I, like, I don't know. I didn't... He claimed Prima knocked on it. <laughs> Took four stocks of celery. <laughs> Lloyd, stop. <laughs> <laughs> Once he claims Prima Nocta, there's really nothing we can do with that. It's his. It's his. Try taking it from him. <laughs> if I ever find a dinosaur bone that's rare, I'm just going to keep it. The last thing I want is somebody marching into my front room declaring Prima Nocta on that thing and taking it. <laughs> you guys are ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> this is pretty funny. <laughs> it, was pretty oh, funny. it was a really funny segment when it happened. <laughs> a badger. But this is better. Yeah, Getting but... high with Francis Scott. I agree. Everything. Everything is more funny. Maybe we should play it at four twenty. Just saying. Uh, <laughs> nice, nice drop there, Austin. All right, Gordon. You you have a really a downer subject for us next. Do you want to give us a tease? No, it's just a real bummer. Wow. A real bummer. Stay tuned. So stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. More next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's a big show. On a Friday, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Hope everybody out there is doing well. I'm, I'm really uh, a tad bit frightened, uh, Gordon, to, to say, uh, go ahead and bring up what you were going to bring up. Well, let me preface it with something, may I? Yeah, you just told us it was going to be a real bummer. So it, 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 No, it's not a real bummer. It's just kind of a bummer. I mean, that's what, yeah. well, let me explain. But first, let me ask you a question. When you were a kid... I mean, quite young, and you were first getting hooked on sports. Who is a an athlete or a coach or some sports figure who just captivated your attention? Mordecai Three Finger Brown. When, no, when you're really when you were really young. I'm not talking about when you're 15, 16, 17. I'm talking about when you're six or seven or in that range. Let's see, Tyrus Raymond Cobb. <laughs> no, he didn't. He never saw him play. Uh, my so I'll, I'll say here's my here's my serious answer. With I'll, I'll pick a football player, but I could probably identify somebody from any sport. But my uh, my folks when I was uh, my folks lived in Chicago at one point, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my they kind of adopted some of those sports teams. So my mom's a Bears fan, and uh, I remember watching Walter, uh, Payton? Walter Payton when I was little, yeah. little. And uh, she she loved Refrigerator Perry too. So I, I remember the, specifically Walter Payton. I remember uh, being a big fan early on. So how did you feel when Walter uh, Sweetness he uh, passed away? Oh, did well, it impact I mean, you at all? 
No, not really. I mean, celebrity deaths don't uh, really, really impact me, I guess, but it certainly was sad. It seemed uh, certainly before his time, too. Yes, indeed. Austin, do you have a do you have a pick? Was it John Stockton? Who was it? No, uh, in fact, this is kind of uh, the only guy maybe that will know who I'm talking about is Steve Klauke. There was a second baseman for the Salt Lake Buzz back in the day. His name was Mitch Simons. I remember Mitch Simons. You do? Yeah, I remember I don't Mitch. even know if he played multiple seasons for him, but I know he, he, he gave me an autograph and then called over uh, Bernard Burrito and uh, Latroy Hawkins and made them all give me an autograph too. And from that day forward, I was a big Mitch Simons right, fan. I can see that. I'll tell you mine for basketball, Gordon. And I was a basketball fan before this, actually. But uh, when oh. I was living in Charlotte, our family had season tickets to the, the Hornets' first ever season. And okay. I loved Muggsy Bogues. Huh. Loved Muggsy Bogues. Cause I, what know, was the connection? I don't know. Just a, a unlikely story. You were as tall as he was? Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was shorter. I was short for my grade at the time. And I, I, I loved it that a guy who was five foot two. Or he might have been a little taller than that, actually. 5'3 or 5'4 or whatever it was. But somebody that size could be a starting point guard on an NBA team. Pretty awesome. 5'3 is official. Was he really 5'3? Wow. Still is. Yeah. I always, uh, I always come up with... He didn't grow after he retired. Apparently not. I always come up with this trivia question, Gordon. There were three players that the Hornets got uh, in that inaugural year, got from the Utah Jazz, including their best player that year who was an all-star. Can you name those three players? We're talking 1988. Uh, was Del Curry one? Del Curry was one. That's all I got, man. Who else? The fastest of them all. Oh, Ricky Green. And their yeah. best player that year who was an all-star and scored 20 points a game, Kelly Trapuca. Okay. All right. All right. Well, the and there was actually ask, a BYU player on that team too. Who? Greg Kite. Oh, Greg Kite. Yeah. I just remember him with the Celtics. They used to have him go stand on the side of the court to draw illegal defense calls. Uh, Kurt Rambis was on that team. Rex Chapman was their initial draft pick. Anyway, not that anybody cares, I guess, about the history of the Charlotte Hornets. What's uh? What uh? Why uh, do I bring that up? Yes. You ask. Uh huh. Can I have a little sad music? Austin? Uh, are we being funny or serious here? No, it's sad music. Yeah, sad music. Or, you know, I mean, whatever you... I mean, I've got a funeral got march. Do you want that? Okay, that, that's good, yeah. I mean, Football legend Paul Horning dies at the age of 84. I saw that today. I don't want to play this song. Well, yeah, right. Well, seems, no, I mean, it's, that, it's I think we should honor the guy, not... Well, well you're going to tell yeah, us, like, the McRib was canceled forever or something. Yeah. <laughs> Now, Paul Horning, uh, <laughs> 80, 84 years old. He was, uh, I, I really liked him as a kid because, one, he played for the Packers. I think he was 10 years with the Packers or so. He was also a Notre Dame star before that, known as the Golden Boy, a great halfback, great running back. He won the Heisman, and he also won four NFL championships. And... Of him, Vince Lombardi said, he's the best player I ever coached. That's saying something for those great Packer teams. Um, he passed away. And uh, I, you know, I, I remember him being great. And I remember watching him play. But I didn't understand. I wasn't completely 
able to grasp the uh, the penalties for gambling on games. That it was he, it was Horning, uh, and who was the other guy? Alex Karras, is that who it was? Uh, the great uh, defensive lineman, who uh, yeah, they were they were uh, they were caught gambling on games, including their own. Except for their own, uh, reportedly, uh, they only bet on their team to win, and so they did have a penalty. Pete Rozelle. The commissioner at the time busted them for that, but uh, they weren't. It wasn't any kind of lifetime ban or anything like that, because they didn't find uh, the scandal stuff that would affect the outcome of games, point shaving and such. But what a great player he was! I remember him sort of. I remember him just in the far reaches of my mind, him being considered a kind of a, a playboy type, you know, kind of a Joe Namath type who uh, was a man about town and whatnot. But I just remember him, one, because he played for the Packers, and as a kid I was a big Packers fan, and two, because he was so darn good. I mean, it made an impact on me. So he passed away, so I thought that I would talk about that for a moment. Man, we've lost some guys lately. I mean, yeah, some uh, some guys who have uh, passed with Gail Sayers and others who have gone in this uh, quite unique year of 2020. But he was one for me, and uh, and maybe others of my generation would rem- remember uh, him fondly. I'm trying to so now... That's, that's my bad news. Trying to now think of inspirational athletes from my youth. I used to love John McEnroe. He was my favorite tennis player by you far. You must have been ever. in the minority because a lot of people couldn't stand him. Uh, I know. I... I I just loved John McEnroe, and it was like I wouldn't say I disliked Jimmy, Jimmy Connors, you know, but there was that rivalry there, and so I was I was always rooting against Jimmy Connors, but rooting for John McEnroe. I'm trying to Jimmy think Connors with the famous metal racket. I'm trying to think of baseball, who would who would? Uh, I got a baseball one. Do you? David Eckstein, number twenty-two for the Angels. Later, the the Cardinals yeah. helped them, uh, but he was he was diminutive. And he was kind of a journeyman, and he fought his way up to the bigs and had oh. staying power and did did really well there. And I liked him a lot. I think Cal Ripken would be my baseball one just because uh, I had a buddy who was a huge Orioles fan when we were little kids, and I have family that's kind of in that area, so I jumped on that bandwagon. You know who it was for me? In baseball? Yeah. Oh, wait. Come no, on, you me, know. Let me think. Uh, Honus Wagner. Christy Mathewson. <laughs> Rod Carew. Right. Abner Doubleday. <laughs> Wait, it could have been Rod Carew. When did Rod Carew play? Nah, he, he was played. 67. He played when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, when he was. I remember watching him play. Okay, serious uh, answer, it, Warren Spawn. No, this was when I was a little older, but I was still quite young. The greatest third baseman of all time, Mike Schmidt. All right, I could see that. Schmidt. I went to a Phillies game when I was a kid, and I watched him hit a yeah, a grand slam, and uh, that that was a cool moment for me. So, not as cool as your grand slam, though. No, no, not happen. quite as memorable as that because that was left-handed. You hit bases you know? bases empty. <laughs> Let's see, Schmidt hit it left-handed. Of course, he wasn't playing against eight-year-olds. <laughs> Mike Schmidt played from 1972 to 1989. Yeah, he played for a long time, and he led the league in humility every year. In what you broke up? False humility. Oh. Did he? He was a great hitter. 
Uh, I think he was he was pre steroids, wasn't he? Well, seventy two to eighty nine. I mean, what the the Bash brothers were they late eighties? Yeah, yeah. So steroids were were with us. Okay. And and Tony Larusa still got a job again somehow. You know, yeah, no kid. It's amazing how kids hone in on a certain player, and for what reason? I mean, for you, what what were your reasons for glomming on to certain guys? I mean, in the case of Austin, you got a you got an autograph, maybe you know you had some interaction, but that's not usually the case. People really get connected to to certain athletes for the craziest of reasons. I don't know why I like Schmitty so much. I saw him hit the grand slam. I thought it was cool, but what what? How did that affect me? Well, you knew him well enough to use his nickname. <laughs> I also like Dick Allen. Back then, he was Richie Allen. But uh, he he lived he had sort of a checkered uh, existence. Uh, you know, so, think of how many the throngs of youth that are jazz fans that for the rest of their lives are going to say Donovan Mitchell win this conversation. Yeah, yeah. it's true. It's the cool thing about sports, really. Uh, yeah. It certainly is. All right. Well, and I'm... and especially since kids oftentimes kids need need uh, 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 someone to look up to. You know, and I've always been sort of anti-role model from a standpoint of having a parent step in and say, hey, appreciate this guy for what he does on the field, on the court, on the diamond. But don't don't uh, don't worship these guys because they're people just like everybody else. But I think it's healthy to some extent, as long as it's kept in in perspective. Worship is such a strong word. You watch Donovan Mitchell walk through the concourse uh, at a jazz game or something, or before a jazz game or after, and watch how the kids react to him. I, it's, it might not be worship, but it is adoration. Oh, man, I'll, uh, on that note, I will never forget when we were um, broadcasting from the three-on-three tournament out in Park Place. This was well, it had to be two years ago, uh, right after Donovan's rookie season, when he finds out on Twitter that that's going on. He says, I'll be right over. And we're sitting there, you know, watching the games. And all of a sudden, all these kids, all of them, mid-play, mid put down the basketball and just absolutely flow over to one side of the parking lot. And it's like, well, Donovan yeah. Mitchell's here. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. And our, Royce O'Neal. And Royce O'Neal was there, too. <laughs> all right, more Big Show coming up. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is Gordon Monson's neighbor. You need to tell him to get all of his junkers out of the road. They're an eyesore for everybody. Wrap it up, a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I, I don't know, Gordon. I'll tell you what. By the end of the show on Friday, I don't know if this has always been the case or if it's more just something recently, but I am out of gas, man. I, I You know, I, I don't know what happened, but ever since we we listened to Getting High with Hanson Scotty, I've, it's just been a downward spiral. <laughs> it's it's like that was the peak and then yeah. it's just, it's like the, the air coming out of a balloon. I don't know what happened to me, but I, I, I all of a sudden I just, yeah, kind of like you, I was done. Well, uh, oh, a couple thing. of lightweights here. Seriously, Austin. We're hardly Masons. Uh, Austin's still going strong. <laughs> Austin just had half a bottle of B12 and he's still, he's still making it happen. Uh, but no, 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 I just, I, I he know. He does make a good point there, uh, Jake. Uh, it's not like we're, we're uh, you know, hanging drywall or anything. True. 
But I, I, I've got movie night to look forward to. We do movie night with my daughter every Friday night, except for that she's really, really bent on watching Dumbo. And I've, I like Dumbo. The live action? No, the original. And I, I liked it. It's a good, it's a good movie. But it, it just, I, I saw it again uh, like a month ago, and and that was enough for a while. It was like, <laughs> it was like the first time I had watched it in like 25 years, and it was like, oh, okay, I remember this movie, and, and th- that was all I needed. But see, the kids like the repetition of it. They they well, if they've seen it once, they want to see it again and again and again. But this is where you can use your influence, Jake. Uh, you can sway that thing. We uh, we recently found something that was a great find at our house, Jake. Okay, it's called Prep and Landing, and I thought it was brand. It's apparently almost ten years old. Uh-huh. It's a computer animation about these little elves, these Christmas elves, that are in charge of the prep and landing for Santa to land at each person's house around the world. Okay. It's hilarious. Uh There's two episodes. They're about 26 minutes each. You play them back to back. You got an hour movie. You have a good time. The kid loves it, and then it's bedtime. See, I I, I love that idea. Here's what I'm worried about. Uh, uh, Switching her focus from Dumbo to, to that. You know, oh, she's I, that I, stuck she's, on it, yeah, huh? yeah, yeah. Use your imagination, Jake. Because on, I suggested something, something else earlier. I was like, oh, you know what? How about uh, A Bug's Life? And she's like, nope. Well, here's, here, here's what you do. You throw in some bonuses, like uh, maybe a Snickers bar or something. Oh, no, I'm know? bribing my daughter? <laughs> yes. 50 yes. bucks. Get used to it. <laughs> you want popcorn during the movie? Well, we're watching something else then. <laughs> I will say this: well, I am pretty, world. I am pretty stoked that she's liking uh, watching football with me more. That, that that makes the weekends a little bit better. I sent you and Austin a, a, a video of it last yeah. week. She really loves the tackle aspect of tackle football. Anytime yeah, there's just, a tackle, she just yells "tackle." Just don't force it on her because then she'll she'll start to drift away from it. Make sure that she's doing it because she wants to. Let me tell you, now, you haven't had the, a three year old in a while, but I'm not forcing that kid to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Try the bribery. It might work. All right. Well, hey, buddy, you enjoy your weekend, and uh, you too, I'll man. talk to you on Monday. All right. It's the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.